0: How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 17. Episode 17. Congratulations, Jake. We got to the week 17. I feel like we keep tapping, patting ourselves on the back. We're tapping ourselves because we don't know how to pat. Yes, that's true. We keep it different here at Cinema (laughs) Sideshow.
1: Unique bunch
0: over here. Absolutely, Jake is just back to me and you this I week. I was going to say it's just us two now.
1: We've had a we've had a crowded couple of weeks. I know, man. It's just oh. there's too many people taking this third rotating chair. You know, it's mm. just it's kind crazy. Probably in the a next bit. couple
0: of weeks we'll have some new people on the show. I do have some pictures for some new people. There we go. Actually,
1: this last week in particular, I had a lot of people approach me being like, "Hey, I should I should be
0: on the show." There we go. And we'd we'd like, love to huh. have anyone new on board. As much as we do appreciate having Jesse and Jack on.
1: And Chloe. Yeah, Chloe
0: and Chloe, and yeah. Chloe. It's nice always having fresh faces around. But how are you, Jake? I'm alright. This has been an interesting week. Yeah? I, uh, I
1: was going to say, I've been quite sick for the better part of this week, but you have too, I actually. I
0: was very dead last week. You, you were sick in
1: the first half of the week.
0: Yes. And I was sick in the second half of the week. And I got a pretty interesting reception when I went up to the pharmacist and I was like, <laughs> I got cold and flu. <laughs> this was so weird. Yeah, it was like really yeah. fun. They were like all women at the counter and they were like having a joke that I had the man flu and I'm like my eyes are really red my nose is really red I'm like yeah. barely I'm like ready to pass out in that pharmacy and I was like can you please give me the strongest cold <laughs> and flu things you've had can you please give me service yeah and they were just like oh someone's got a case of the man flu they're like making fun of you yeah at a pharmacy What's like what one lady called another lady over to make fun of me what? about the man flu and Jack Jack could attend to this yeah what exactly it's crazy that's so weird. Interesting service here at uh, Cardinia, but
1: <laughs> just call them out. Exactly. Uh... Thank you. Yeah, um,
0: Terry White, chemist. My sister used to work there. Oh, there she we probably go. knows
1: who made fun of you. I might actually tell her about that tonight. I'd be like, yeah. hey, who who was this? <laughs> um. Anyway, we just lost half our fan base. No, Terry, there we go. Mark, but how are you,
0: Jake? What movies have you caught this week?
1: Um, I've got a lot of stuff this week. Actually, it was very. Um, I told you that earlier, but it was very factual, documentary-based week for me. I, I also
0: had a very factual documentary-based Ooh,
1: week. Interesting. Well, I mean, we got a, a topic of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. later in the episode, but, um, and to follow that, obviously I watched, uh, the Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes.
0: You watched all of them.
1: I watched all of them. I watched all four episodes right before the film. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of want to talk about them with the film, so I'll talk about those later once we get into our
0: yep. topic. Did you end up watching them? I did not end up watching them. I ended up watching a different, uh, Netflix documentary series. Okay. I watched, uh, two separate specials from the Remastered series, which is a collection of, uh... Feature-length documentaries all about different artists and incidents in their respective careers. Um, I managed to watch the Johnny Cash and Richard Nixon one, which centred Ooh. around... Those um, are,
1: those are, I thought they were like the same doco, those two people <laughs> in oh, the same video. I was like, they Wait, are in the same documentary. Wait, what?
0: Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Please tell me about that. I'm um, so confused. Yeah, so Johnny Cash has a couple of documentaries about him, kind of sparked over his, his career. And this one, I was a little bit like, look, I've probably heard pretty much all I need to hear about Johnny Cash. I Mm. haven't watched Man in Black, the anthology, which is his, like, pinnacle documentary. I'm looking to check that one out. But this one centred around the Vietnam War, which, if you're in Australia, this is going to get a bit local. But, um... You tend not to study Vietnam as much as probably World War Two and World War One. It kind of gets even, glossed yeah, even over. Like,
1: I know in like history, like Year 12 sort of thing, you, you can reach the 50s, but you don't really get past yeah, that.
0: Yeah, they tend to brush over it, obviously, because uh, Australia were associated with America and we weren't exactly the good people in that war. Um, <laughs> so oh, no. it, tends to, uh, <laughs> it tends to get neglected quite a bit. But this was a real interesting conversation because I, I learned a lot about... Vietnam through this documentary and it's kind of inspired me to watch more Vietnam and Cambodia based incident okay. stuff. You can um, play
1: some black ops one, the
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically about how, uh, John Cash was raised to be, didn't matter who the president was, the president's yep. the president. You follow that. America is following our leaders and respecting our leaders, no matter who they are. Mm. And very old world attitude. That's not shared. Obviously nowadays by no, a lot of Americans, not so. um, but obviously eventually it drew he crossed that line of himself with vietnam because of mm. how nixon was bombing vietnam and yep. cambodia without a lot of people's knowledge and the nation was so divided on where america stood in vietnam and basically it was about johnny cash's performance at the white house when nixon was in administration and a speech he gave mid performance about like all these young people dying and it was like all recorded on film and wow, stuff like okay. that and it was like a very uh, interesting way because there had been people that protested. The documentary goes on about how multiple bands who performed for Nixon mm. in this time protested outright, whereas Johnny Cash did a, a concert, but he also subverted his message in the concert.
1: Okay, so he kind of took a different
0: approach. He to took that. a more intelli- intellectual port mm. and eventually kind of shifted away from. Uh, Believing in the president because they just kept he went over to perform for the troops in Vietnam and saw Mm. what was happening with his wife, June Carter, and kind of how he went through that change. It was really, really cool because I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. I love Walk the Line, the the biopic with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. And I've listened to his music pretty much ever since I saw that movie a couple of years ago. And um, I think the more I watch about him, the more I appreciate him. And kind of the artists of the time, like between that documentary and um, the one that Scorsese did about the band, the Last mm, Waltz, yep, yep, and yep. how all of those folk artists and country artists who were real protesters at the time came and cultivated for that documentary. I really appreciate that sort of stuff. And then the other one I watched was uh, Devil at the Crossroads, which okay. was uh, completely unique. That I had. I think uh, I've heard of this one. Yeah, this one just came out too. Ah, uh, um, makes more sense. Yeah, and it's about a blues uh, a blues guitarist who went away, and supposedly the myth is he made a deal with the devil to become a really good guitar player. And it's got That's like right. that mystic reenactment, unique sort of style, tower esque, um, with some of its alternative storytelling for documentary, okay, but, like
1: narrative and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and animation is oh, used quite very a bit. Nice. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it was good. Yeah. But. um... They're kind of the two documentaries I covered nice. this week. But what well, about that you? One,
1: that one really interests me, just really quickly, because um, you did tell me a bit about this this morning, um, and I was yeah. telling you how I really kind of like the angle of like the kind of the more mist uh, mystery type of uh, even like religious yeah kind of side of the saga I don't know. I just find that stuff really kind of interesting. That outer worldly kind of no,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's bridge. about a, a guitarist Robert Johnson and how yeah he apparently was a novice guitar player in the and only lived to twenty seven, which mm. in Music, the music world. Twenty seven is quite an infamous death age. Yeah, across there's another one. Just that
1: kind of like suspiciousness of that particular age. Yeah,
0: and it, and yeah. it's a big part of like music is that sort of mysticism of music. So it's a uh, yeah, it was a very interesting documentary. Something completely different, which I kind of liked. Yeah, absolutely. Something a bit more fresh because I've had some absolute duds last week. <laughs> some real shockers. Oh, but yeah. What about you?
1: Um. All right. We'll continue on the the documentary road, uh, I watched a little docker that I mentioned a few weeks ago that came out in the past week called Raising Kratos, which is a two hour long docker mm. about the making of the 2018 God of War for PlayStation. And um, I really love this game. I, I stand highly oh. in saying that it's probably uh, one of the most important games of the past generation, mm-hmm. um, especially if you've played the previous God of Wars. And there's a lot of them coming up until this one. Yeah. Um. I really, really dug this docker. Yeah. Um, for a few reasons. Number one, the editing for the most part is just masterful editing. Um, in terms of, uh, there's not a lot of like archival footage or any of that kind of thing. This is this is a documentary from start to finish. The narrative they were, I'm guessing they were shooting all this with the intention of making this film from the mm-hmm. get go. As in going back as far as like 2013, having pink people at the studio filming, you know, footage of the team and stuff. With the sole intention of years down the line making a docker like this, it's
0: pretty fascinating too. So. Because a lot of uh, games tend to avoid, um, obviously, because there's that potential of leaking stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so when games tend to be developed, uh, like even when people go on tours at places like EA or like mm. Bethesda and stuff, they're not allowed in Very certain areas. S- secretive, yeah. Obviously, yeah there's huge ideas
1: given away. I remember the story of like, um, I think it's Playdead who, they did Limbo. And mm. before their um, follow-up, uh, which is called Inside, came out, I remember they had people visiting the studio and they would like completely black out the windows and stuff to that. It was just so secretive. Yeah. Even though they're like, were these little small indie games, but there was, it was, you know, industry's right mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I, th- I think people from the industry will find a lot of interesting tidbits in this doco, especially because uh, it was a big deal that Sony Santa Monica lost a lot of employees in, I think, 2015. And mm-hmm. one of their big games, like big budget games, they spent a lot of money on got cancelled. And the doco doesn't go a lot into that, but it does go a little into it. So I think people who are still big in the game industry will find that kind of stuff really yeah. interesting. Uh, but what I found more interesting is that the, um, the the doco really follows you know Corey Barlock, who's the director of the game. Um, who directed God of War 2 back in the day, so there was this big kind of expectation to uh, reinvent the franchise. And um, the, it really goes into the grittiness of the development cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, like, to the point where they were showing stuff that I was like, this is shocking that Sony put this doc out themselves. Because mm-hmm. they're showing a lot of, like, you know, the behind-the-scenes arguments that these creatives would have yeah. together. You know, you have... You have um, There's a great scene where they're in a between Corey... Uh, very passive-aggressively talking to this guy, being like, they're looking at the screen and, like, comparing, like, bugs, or little scenes, and they're like, this mm-hmm. is not up to code to, like, he's getting pretty pissed off at this guy. And then it, in a cuts with one of the producers basically going off about him behind his back, being like, dude, we got these deadlines, you know, and, like, all this stuff that's, like, this is fascinating, and I'm surprised Sony put this out themselves mm. Um, for that stuff, and they have a lot of scenes of, like, um, they show the phone call one of the producers have with Sony about delaying to, like, an April release date instead of March. Like, just stuff like that I found was, like, yeah, that's really cool to see behind the curtains. But one scene in particular um, that goes back to the masterful editing is there's a section when they do the E3 demo. Mm-hmm. So the famous e free demo, 2016. And I remember I watched this live... Um so I remembered it very well and they had like the orchestra you know introducing the game yeah um, people didn't know it was God of War until it opened up and Kratos walks on screen sort of thing. and they intercut the orchestra and like them prepping E3 with Corey and his family mm-hmm. and, you know and his wife saying like you know good luck sort of thing. and then he's in the car but he's he, he had like a guy come out with a little sign that says, he gets in the car and he's talking. He's like, I'm terrified about how this demo is going to play out. Then in a cuts with people at the studio who are also like equally terrified. Then in a cuts with another part of the studio who are on a bus together, going to E3 and just that interconnection and the way they tell that story. Really knowing, good
0: like suspenseful editing. Oh, it's,
1: it's excellent. And it's like, you. I know how this is going to go. Cause the Mm -hmm. the demo came out and everyone was really excited. It's like, it goes perfectly fine, Mm -hmm. but the way they put that together and uh, you know, you can see all the, 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 the raw files on someone's computer and how someone put that all together into that sequence. Yeah. Just fascinating. Um, and I think the, I think the editing is fascinating across the whole, um, doco. Mm -hmm. Although I find it equally frustrating because it's not very chronological, at least not in the first half. It very much bound, like it does some clever things where it's like, it's, comparing a question that someone's asked in, like, 2018 that compares it to an event that happens unrelated in, like, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so just stuff like that. Really clever editing, but it, it starts to become non-chronological in that way, which is a little frustrating, because I wanted that chronological narrative of um, story. I mean, it gets there in the end, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was a very, very fascinating um, doco, and it goes into, you know, Corey as a father, and, you know, sacrificing time with his family to work on this game, and... Mm. Man, they went through some strengths to make this game work, but it came out amazing, and I really, I really enjoyed this doco.
0: So it was dope. Well, that's pretty cool. It's something different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I can compare this to like the the doco they did in the making of The Last of Us, um, where it was quite it was quite similar, but um, this this takes us to a whole new level in terms of showing the the depths and the 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 blood, sweat, and tears of a crew, way more than it showed Naughty Dog going through that extent. And I imagine it were very similar circumstances. But, but it's get, how
0: much of the world you're allowed into.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're right. And again, I'm shocked that Sony put it out in the state because yeah. there's some stuff in here. It's like, wow, I'm shocked they showed that. Um, but yeah, awesome docker, and I'm glad I glad I kind of waited on that one. Mm. Uh, another thing I saw from a factual point of view, I saw that... <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this or not. <laughs> the, uh, the Four
0: Corners re, uh, I report. I did not. Yeah, um, okay. So <laughs> if, <laughs> as, as probably That's most so of fabulous. our uh, listeners know... Jake and I are Murdoch University students. Yep. (laughs) um, Situated in Perth, Western Australia. And um, yeah, Four Corners put out a very interesting piece about uh, how the university is run. I'm sure Jake, you can elaborate a bit more. I don't know that much about this. Okay. I know there's a joke.
1: To it, but I mean, okay. So the the, the doctor, and you don't know if you don't know what Four Corners they basically investigative journalism, and uh, yeah. they you know they put out episodes on and the stuff. ABC, yeah, and they do a fantastic job. Yeah, there's so, some
0: great pieces out there that Four Corners have put out. Yeah, and
1: what they've done, um, particularly in Australia, but very much focused on Murdoch in this episode, uh, is look at uh, kind of the acceptance policies of like international students, mm-hmm. uh, and how they're kind of using these international students who can't read or write or speak English, who don't know how to use computers. Uh, who kind of get into these postgraduate programs and don't pass any units, like, at all, Um, and basically accept these people in just so they can get the money off international students. Mm -hmm. Um, And that... It it was very fascinating to see uh, and kind of see a lot of the the fishy goings-ons that apparently have been going on, and I don't doubt a lot of what they showed. So, was there
0: filming on campus? Yeah,
1: there was so much B-roll around here. It was like, like, you recommend... There, there's buildings just out here, like, B-roll of... Wow. Yeah, a lot of the stuff, um in the buildings are like they kind of. I wonder
0: they, who filmed it.
1: Yeah, I know. I think someone didn't Glenn at one point say like, Oh, there's people shooting on campus something. Didn't he say that once? Well that
0: would've been funny. That would have be been We could have been investigating we didn't even realise. I
1: know. Big Yeah, and there was a ton of B roll here, man. It was crazy and um like a lot of stuff at the um yeah, you know, right outside of bush court, the little front
0: office area. That's like our thing. central court area.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the little circular parking thing, like mm. a drop-off zone. There's tons of footage from like that angle. Um, so yeah, they kind of got sneaky. They shoot, they like shoot upway, uh, upwards in the camera, like they'll tilt up to a window, like a second, third floor window. It's pretty,
0: it's pretty funny <laughs> though because they can get away with this stuff on our campus because there yeah? are people that are roaming around with cameras quite often on campus. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Wouldn't think well, out the other way about it. I, like, you and me have both, at some point, been taking cameras around and filming stuff. Yeah, like I mean, ha- half my first and... um,
1: photography, like, units would be just go out into the court and take photos
0: and stuff. So, if someone's walking around with a camera, you don't really care that much? Yeah. You just kind of just, like, oh, to do with a camera? Like, oh, it's... they're doing an assignment. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, no. It was... Not like it really affects... Jake and I—we're not being well, investigated. It
1: doesn't—it doesn't affect us, um, especially because we don't see a lot of. Well, it, it's more—it's more the. Um, I was. Who was I talking about this? It's—it's more the scientific units or the courses, yeah. um, because you know that's kind of where the international students are going to gravitate towards. Is more engineering courses mm-hmm. or scientific, mathematic courses, um, which unlike arts is obviously way more right and wrong answers i suppose you know that kind of thing yeah so we haven't seen a lot
0: also, of. also culturally generally uh international students particularly they're from like the like asian oriental sort of uh yeah exactly like regions yep. they tend not to gravitate towards the arts or fine arts just generally yeah um so and because the best part about art is it's pretty subjective so it would be very hard <laughs> to fail art unless you don't submit something
1: yeah well, we'll talk to Damien about my last score. <laughs> no, um, I just found it really interesting that there's something they kind of touch on, but they don't really go too far. Is how, um, this kind of method of like getting to unis and international students is one of the biggest uh, loopholes in terms of immigration. And I thought that was yeah. quite interesting. They don't touch on it a lot in this uh, education visa. I'm video, pretty sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um,
0: heaps of international students um on campus, but it's it's funny to go under the be a, be There's a, a part lot of, of sh- jokes around uh, our circle about yeah. <laughs> about this. But was it, like, from an analytical point of view, was it well made? I thought it was pretty well made. Yeah. Um.
1: Like I said, Murdoch's not the only one. They do touch a bit on, I think, like a Sydney campus and stuff like that. Um. Mm. But, yeah, Murdoch is definitely a big part of it. I re- you should watch it. Yeah. I watched it. Um. It was on ABC site free, like, uh, right after it aired. So I still I watched it, like, Monday night. Fair so enough. I have, um, it's probably still there, I'm assuming. Did you check out anything else? Um... I did check out something else. Uh, what else. So our friend Jesse Newell, released "Overdue." Oh
0: yeah, so we're shifting into the short territory. The short um, territory, <laughs> as we as we all know, Jesse was on the show last week when we were talking about uh, Marie and oh, I'm going to say it wrong. I was going to say Antoinette. 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 Um, <laughs> I stopped myself. I know Jesse's listening. Uh, so hey, Jesse, um, how you but, doing? Yes, We're he was on the show film, right. last week. Uh, <laughs> I did manage to catch it also. Nice, um, yeah. I will call it Friday, I think. It's not the day okay. it came out the day after. Um, was it Was it Friday? Oh, you're right. It was. You would have
1: been Friday. We talked about it on the Friday. Yes. I think I saw it on the Wednesday. No, it came, it came out Thursday. Thursday. You're right. I saw it twice on that Thursday. I'll be so watching Overdue it. came out last Thursday on Vimeo. Yes, yeah, so um, it's on Vimeo right now. Um, under no creative. And uh, I can't wait for Jesse to come back in the studio and... We could talk about it uh, more in fresh, but mm. I, I really enjoyed a lot of aspects of the film. I really enjoyed the cinematography and the, kind of the style mm-hmm. and the uh, the pacing there. I thought that was quite well done.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was nice to catch a film, you know, as we are students, both Jake and I, both in our final year. Um, it was nice to look at the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a, to an extent, yes. To yeah, the yeah. competition, um, Jesse went to ECU. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think he so. went yeah, to I really another it. film school, respectively, and it's it's nice to watch films from different universities because at this university, a lot of stuff gets thrown about, about the films that are made on this campus. But Yeah, but so not,
1: not really outside of campus. I just kind of no. realised that, actually. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to
0: get that different perspective, and I'm sure Jesse had uh, his challenges with this film, and yep. he was... Very happy to release it. He should be because it was a, it was, it was a very pleasant film to yeah.
1: watch. Well, any any film, regardless of you know any uh onset quibbles I guess, or even the quality of the film itself, regardless of any of that, always, always great to see someone put out a film,
0: particularly in Perth, which you know Absolutely, every yep. every film that comes out here helps our industry grow that little. Micro-centimetre at a time. So
1: centimeter at a yeah. time. I mean,
0: let's be honest. We've still got a big mountain to climb as an industry here in Perth. And I think uh, every time we see a short film like Overdue come out, we are taking a step in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. So that's
0: great. And it'll be great to have him back on the show to talk about it in detail.
1: But, yeah, uh, yeah I
0: did catch it too. Beautiful. I also caught um, Frank Darrow I think it's Frank Darabond. Um, the okay. guy who made Walking Dead, I uh, caught The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist, oh, right, um, right, right, in the right. last week, and found it very interesting because some of the cast in The Mist, the film, oh, that's were right. very much the <laughs> first season cast of The Walking Dead, which I was very... I, they both had Dale and Andrea from The Walking Are you, Dead. Are
1: your two favourite characters of the whole show? I liked
0: Dale on the show. was alright. was alright. Very sad that he died. Like spoiler yeah, over like uh, season two, season two. Um, <laughs> Andrew, I hated on the show. Um, yeah. I liked her in the mist. Um, okay, her character in the mist is really strong. That film's a lot of fun. It's um, given the budget and the ballsy ending, which oh. spoiler, there's a big ending. Um, I don't really want to there's spoil a Big it. ending. Honestly, That's the if you haven't watched the mist, I would actually recommend watching the mist because I wanted to watch it in sight of it too.
1: Trailer oh, coming out.
0: Okay. Well that trailer came out this you week. It did eh? come out in it looked the last really week. looked really good. Um First one's good though. Oh, first one's fantastic. I hate horror movies and I love, And I still but I can still appreciate how much I enjoyed it. It's I did like, it's it's fun. It's so fun. It's like a it's like a Goonies movie almost. God no, it was a scary Goonies movie. Uh, <laughs> Have you even seen? No, Goonies? I haven't seen the Goonies. Well, then you can't
1: comment. No, <laughs> I've seen
0: Stranger Things. It was like Stranger Things dialled to like eleven. Okay, but Str- Stranger Things is so like very obviously homage to that. Yeah, well, well, it actually feels a bit more like it did just come from that era. It's um, true, even though it's modernized, but you know, and it's, it's looking. It looks good. I'm, I admit that tell what, movie. So that, does... that first
1: half of that trailer is really interesting, yeah. like, use of horror.
0: No, absolutely. I, I like how it's a scene. Yeah, exactly. Two, tra- two trailers came out this week. We're bridging into a more a trailer-talk territory. Yeah. Um, Brightburn came out also, that trailer, which... Uh, uh, oh, that's the um, James the, Gunn one, isn't well, it? was the James Gunn produced one yeah, he yep, didn't yep. direct it. And that one looks okay. I haven't seen it's, the trailer, but... That's it's... another horror film. A couple of horrors coming out. Um, So, yeah. Cool. It looked interesting, yeah. but, yeah, no, The Mist was good Good fun. Um, I'm trying to think what else I watched in the last week. Uh, I watched the
1: uh, commentary tracks for Better Call Saul season four out now on Blu-ray. Sorry. I didn't interesting. To throw that out. It's out on Blu-ray guys. Watch it. Oh yeah. I it's watched good, My Man. All
0: American and Warm Bodies. And... Oh, how do what do you think of Warm Bodies? Well, My All American was the most <laughs> average. <laughs> that, I, so the other one. <laughs> yeah. No, but yes, but my, my all-amount, I just want to get that out of the way, was Fair enough. For, for the audience. It's a sports movie, and I love sports movies, but it does use a soundtrack to manipulate feelings. I did cry in it, but I know I was being manipulated by the soundtrack. But isn't it like a Mr. Carney thing for you right there? Like the soundtrack just gets you? Regardless? Yeah. I'm a, I am mean, Carney is just amazing, but this it was okay. It was like a very... Eh, film. It's, I got nothing else right. to say about it. Now, Warm Bodies. Okay, here um, we go. I'm curious. Warm Bodies was, I think, Jack, Jack Bet summed <laughs> up perfectly. Oh, I thought you could say he recommended it. What my opinion of Warm Bodies was because okay. it literally was a studio film pretending to be an independent film, basically, mm-hmm. trying to mask itself as being more niche and independent than what it actually was. I feel like
1: that's what the Joker movie is going to end up being later this year.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to do a better job at it, though. <laughs> because there's things like... Uh, I always... Can we make... like There should be a blacklist of lines you can't use in a movie. No one should be able to say, vinyls sound better in a movie, I think. Or they like the way they sound better. Or, like, no one should mention <laughs> the Smiths. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that should be a no. That's just a rule now. Yeah. Um, I think... I don't know. I... I... I It's funny because Malkovich is in Warm Bodies and I hate to have something to say about Malkovich when we get to our movie of the week. But Mm. I thought it was okay. It wasn't, I had nothing bad to say about the movie, but I also didn't feel profound. It was cute. It was Um, cute. It was a cute film. Just put that in the poster. It's cute. There's a movie I actually do want to catch. The new Bill Murray, it's like a zombie film from Jim Jarmusch that just came out.
1: I've heard of this. Is Uh it already out.
0: Uh it's been doing its run at Cairns right oh, now. La, 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 the dead don't die.
1: We should just walk over to, to Cairns right now and watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. From, from yeah, uh, we'll just hang out. <laughs> Sponsor <laughs> us Cans. We'll come out. to your yeah. will come to your festival and Cinema Sideshow podcast.
1: podcast goes to Cairns. <laughs> yeah, but like
0: <laughs> it looks really funny. Cool. Uh, what about you, Jake? Do you have anything else? Um no, I can could, could give you more
1: better call of soul shout outs if you want. No. no? That's okay. It. Well, okay, before we uh jump into our do you have any um like from our careers this week? I don't think i I can't nothing that I can talk about I, I will guess. have an
0: announcement by next week for something career related Ooh. to involve a certain documentary coming out. Ooh.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: wide release. <laughs> to be honest, I completely forgot about that. that most people did. I think um, you said it
1: like four weeks ago on the show. Oh, we're going to give you some news on it.
0: Yeah, just keep teasing <laughs> it. Next week, um, we will announce uh, our latest documentary will be coming out the following Friday. So not this Friday, Whoa, next Friday. This is new. Yeah. Um, oh, exciting. It's a documentary that was made in the late parts of last year oh. um, called Unsheltered is what it's going to be called. Uh, it makes it sound like it hasn't been called something before. Um, yeah, it's called Unsheltered. <laughs> it's a documentary I did yesterday. with Jack Bett and Chloe Holmes. And Chloe, yeah. um, both have been guests on the show. Uh, it's a documentary At centered the around the time. homeless situation in Perth, Western Australia. Um, it was a hectic couple of months filming it. Um, I remember that? Got it uh, It's finished, and now we're just going to put it out in wide release for everyone to check out before we move into some bigger stuff in the second half of the year. Yeah. But right now, that that'll be the latest documentary coming out. Not this Friday, the following Friday, which uh, I'm not sure. We'll
1: talk about next. um, I'll
0: talk about in more detail uh, the following week. That'll be the 24th, I believe. It
1: will be the 24th of May. Mm, So we can guess we can talk about more in episode 19 when it comes out. It'll be All pretty right. crazy. Well, uh, before we do anything else, I want to give our, our weekly... We need, like, a theme song. Can we, like, replay the version of me and Jack doing the, the Avengers theme music at the end no, of our episode? No, we're Avengers? not doing nope. a weekly okay. theme song. Well, we're doing the weekly Avengers Endgame worldwide gross okay. because last episode, the latest update we got on that was that Avengers hit $1.9 billion. And literally just hours after that episode went, Live. Actually, I think it was before the episode even went live. I yep. think we recorded it, then right before it went live, uh the Saturday uh US Saturday. Yes. Uh money uh monetary value, I suppose, came in and it uh went straight to second place almost immediately after talk about the one point nine billion, straight bad-a-boom. to sorry? Bada boom. Bada boom, better boom, bada boom. Uh, to two point two billion and beat uh Avengers Infinity War, Star Wars The Force Awakens and tight t- I said Titan for the video.
0: Game. That was a Titanic fail right there, <laughs> Jake. Um. That was
1: awful. Um, anyway, so now uh, we are recording a bit later than we did last week, so we do have the Saturday numbers in now, uh, and it is currently the uh, end game is currently at two point four eight billion dollars, which puts it basically at just three hundred and two million short of Avatar.
0: Now, to and be clear, there is a Jug of beer on the line for Jake.
1: That's right. Me and Jack bet. Have a bet on the jug of alcohol. Is it? Would it be beer or cider? Beer. Surely beer.
0: Oh, it's your choice, mate. Yeah, I got to talk to him about that. Um,
1: we also still haven't watched it to get. Me and Jack were meant to go again and watch it another time, but mm, he
0: doesn't want to help. Fund I don't know it. if he wants to do it anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's getting pretty good. Cool. Well, I started worrying about this bet. Because yeah. It really started slowing down um, mm-hmm. after that huge Saturday and it became second place. Yes. it went from making like 200 million on that Saturday to making four million on the Sunday, mm-hmm. and I freaked out a little, admittedly. But this past Saturday, it bounced back again. I think it got nearly 100 million more just on that day. So we're getting there, and there's still a lot of time, Jack.
0: There's still a lot of time uh, for oh, my jug. Is. Well, what's uh, the uh, let's break into the movie of the week. Absolutely, we're thanks to for talk that update, about... Jake. Yep, no worries. <laughs>
1: Yay what are we dude. talking about this week? Oh, we're talking about extremely wicked, shockingly evil and <coughs> Sorry. vile. Do
2: you remember the night we met?
0: Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have been witness to the unspeakable horrors of the defendant's... Hanks a chronicle crimes. of the crimes of Ted Bundy from the perspective of his long-time girlfriend who refused to believe the truth about him for years. This film was directed by Joe Berlinger, who also did the Ted Bundy tapes. Jake.
1: It, it's got a, a box office of a, a 100000 $24. What was that? So, uh, you, you you had the entirety of the, the plot, so I wanted to say something, too. Oh,
0: well, that's great. All right, so. <laughs> Good for you, sport. <laughs> Jake, extremely wicked. We're just going to call it that. Shockingly, yeah, extremely wicked from now on. Extremely wicked. What's the verdict? Zach Efron, controversial film. Big headlines, trigger words, key points. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, okay, so I've, I've talked
1: about this film way more than I usually do, like, a, a film that we're going to talk about on the podcast. Yes. Uh, not to you. I've talked to like, um, I've to, like, I've talked to people about, like, Chloe and stuff, um, so they've heard me rant for a while, because I've had nothing but rants about this movie. I wow. had a lot of big issues with this film, especially the, well, really, the direction and the script. Big issues. Fascinating. Fascinating. So you really did not like this film? I mean, I... I didn't hate it, mm-hmm. but there's some like issues that really make it crumble like a house of cards.
0: Wowzers. Oh, I mean, in all seriousness, I um as I put it up on my 365, which we're now yeah. sitting at about 110 films, so still a fair way of me catching up to mm-hmm. go, but But you've already reviewed it on the on the page. I have. Yeah. I gave it a six point five, I'm pretty mm. sure, or six point seven five. I think six point five from memory. Um I had some problems with the film, I would love but a no, it was a, a six point five. Cool. Um, and I had issues with the film, much like you. Okay. But I did enjoy aspects of it, particularly the last scene, which we can talk about a little bit later on. But I enjoyed Zac Efron, and I think he really does do what he can well, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but I can see how this very, very slow, almost insulting paces at times can get on people's nerves. Because I feel like this okay. film moves super slow and has a mm. lot to cover. So sometimes I feel like things are just happening. But what about you? What's your... Well,
1: I, I actually disagree with that. I think the pacing is not that much of an issue. Okay. In fact, it was quite... Here's the thing. Having just watched the doco, which is, uh, you know, I think four hours and just under four hours in Mm -hmm. total between the four episodes, um, where it goes into uh, a detail about really all things Ted Bundy. Uh, the doco ruined the film for me, to be honest. Now you haven't seen the doco. That's fascinating to me because Jack, Jack's saying you should watch the docos before this film. Yeah. Is yeah. You you really have to, because, uh, Ted Bundy is not portrayed as well or as complex as he needs to be for the story to work. I see. Now, in terms of the pacing, it didn't feel as slow for me because I knew all of the events that, uh, kind of like the timeline, I had so many more dots and uh, pins in that timeline, and the movie takes out a lot of those, and you kind of just jump from event to event to event. So it felt Mm -hmm. faster to me, uh, having just seen the doco, which um, is actually really well... Kind of edited. I mean, the editing elevates the the style. The doc has some great style. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they're both done by the same person. They're both done by the same person, which is a great point, because that really makes me interested in the, um, the way that this director wants to portray Ted Bundy, because he does it so well in the docos. Um, keep in mind the docos has you know the actual audio tapes of Ted Bundy himself talking. Mm-hmm. So you get the real Ted Bundy talking here and you you see the complexity in his character. You see his economy of words, the way he presents himself is way smarter than even Zac Efron does in this film. Interesting. Um, I think he's fine in it, Zac Efron. I think he's he, he didn't blow me away with the performance, but he's also fine in it. He does what he needs to do to an extent. Uh, I just think he's really underwritten in this.
0: Interesting.
1: I think I think the main my main issue with this film is it doesn't know whose perspective to follow. You have two potential protagonists. You have Ted Bundy and you yep. have Liz, and this film doesn't know which character to follow.
0: Yeah, which lane to take. Yeah, story. yeah. I can I can actually see that point quite well, particularly in the second half of the film mm. when it seems to shift almost to an extent um particularly in the uh in uh, the national trial the yep. televised trial where obviously you would think the focus would be f- way more on the bundy side but we still keep cutting back to liz and this like her and it almost yep. feels like yeah cuz they have to share the spotlight it makes it very difficult to I think, pace correctly and also really get behind either character to an extent because um, I think in parts where we needed to develop Liz more, we didn't yep. uh, in the movie, and I definitely can agree to that because I feel like it basically, st- I mean, it starts, the opening scene with Liz is her in a bar and, well, yep. the op- bar after, the, like, the interaction with Ted, like, yep. and they talk about the first night they met, and it just starts with... Liz's friend expositing all the backstory to Liz's character. That was a little like, uh, at the very start, the yes. over expository dialogue. Where it was like, oh, you had a bad relationship. You broke it up. Look, you're, you're a single, a single mother now. Yes. You know? It was very much it's like. on the nose. Yeah, we get it. All right. You've set up, but it set up the entire character backstory of Liz, which makes it very hard to get behind her for the rest of the story because. You're, you've you literally projected the characterization onto us in five minutes. Well, I
1: don't, I don't mind that so much. I, I think you're right. That's something that another thing that I didn't even think about is that
0: her level of development for the majority of the film yeah. is pretty weak. Um, she falls in love with a very charismatic man who's yep. very nice and cares about her child. But... And that was great. That montage they have at the start. Yeah. That was actually really
1: fantastic because immediately it's like, okay, I understand why she loves him.
0: But I understand also, that. That's, that's clearly... Um, and then you lose Joe it. Joe Bellinger kind of pushing more the documentary style with that Super 8 footage, like the, the film footage of them having Absolutely. the birthdays. Because it, like, it looks almost like archival-found yeah. footage.
1: I mean, they do that throughout the whole film, obviously yeah. to a lesser degree after on. Yes. Um, but I think it really works in this montage because, like I said, you immediately buy it. It's, it yeah. seems perfectly fine. Yeah. Why would he have anything to do with these murders, you know? it's per- And then... Any issues start.
0: <laughs> so, where, where where do your issues start with this film, Jake?
1: Okay, well, um, I don't want to jump around too ahead. First off, I'm gonna I'm gonna hone in the thing of, um, first off, Ted Bundy is a you know charismatic guy in the film, and and they kind of pull that, but they don't do it as well as the doco does because the doco shows a much deeper side of him instead of the oh, but Liz, I love you, I didn't do these things, I love you, Liz. When it's like that, that's such an understatement on. The level of manipulation he's actually mm-hmm. causing, in terms of you know the, the, what I keep saying to people, is that in the docker, He's quoting Bible verses, you know. In yeah. the way he presents himself, he's not just charismatic. He's bloody smart. He's yeah. witty. He is quick. The way he talks in the docker, the way he actually talks in real life, is even more uh, like witty and quick than than Zacha from Padres.
0: That's that's yeah. That like, to me, to an extent, is kind of intriguing because. I feel like they do show the manipulation to an extent with with um, Zach Efron's Ted Bundy, especially particularly with the other female character that comes in the la- after Liz and
1: oh yeah, the and, um, kind of older and Ted sort of thing. sort of
0: yeah, and how he manages to make her move to San Francisco and yeah, uh, basically speak as the public voice on on you know his behalf and how he proposes to her in the middle mm. of the trial and and things like that, and and just basic, like, baseline manipulation, using it for sex when he wants sex, uh, you know, but still yep. talking about this obsession with Liz. Uh, I, I feel like it's there. The manipulation is there, but maybe because definitely he, stronger with that girl. I agree. Yes. Like, maybe that's a, a way of looking into what could have been if, mm. with the character, because I do think in the first half of the movie, or in the film, um they don't hit that charisma that much. I mean, he just comes off like a nice person more yeah. than a, a manipulative, you know, genius to an extent. I mm. mean, he really thinks they actually kind of make him a bit of a chump in the first half of the film. Now that I think about it, now that you highlight yeah. it because he talks about how he's going to get off, but he never gets off and he keeps not getting off. Even though every time he says to Liz, he's like, Oh, I'm going to be fine. This happened and this happened. And then he yeah. convinces Liz that he's going to be fine. Then he goes to prison. Exactly. And then he escapes prison and he keeps digging that hole deeper and deeper.
1: It just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And exactly, you're right, because they don't kind of tap into it enough. He just seems like this kind of, not even bumbling, but just like this guy who's just got this kind of false
0: sense of confidence. confidence. You're Ignorance. right. Ignorance. He's like, he comes off kind of ignorant because yeah. he's like, I'm fine. I'm untouchable. I can talk my way out of it. Yeah, like it even starts with the first scene with a police officer where he runs two stop signs and he thinks he can just talk his way out of it. Yeah. Gets arrested immediately. And that's the thing. Like,
1: that's accurate, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is like, okay, no, that's that's completely, um, you know, to his character and in the <laughs> real life, Ted Bundy. The thing is, my issue is that the amount that she's buying into it. Yeah. And here's the thing. It would work under a couple of circumstances. It would work if this was her story, which I thought the film was going to go to. It opens with her visiting Ted Bundy, you know, in media res yeah. with her at the bar. You're like, okay, this is her story. And that justifies why the film doesn't at first addresses Ted as an actual killer. It doesn't... The film doesn't tell you that he's an actual killer. Yeah. Until pretty late into the film. With that in mind, you would think it's Liz's story. But then yeah. they screw it up. Now, spoilers, non-spoilers, based on real events, who cares? This is something they said in the doco in chronological order that they didn't in this film. What they did is they made it a twist at the end when she's like, I'm the one who called the cops with the suspicion of of Ted. Yeah. You know, and in the docos, that is not, that's told. That is just told in the time of the event that happens. It said his girlfriend at the time called the cops and said, hey, I've got a suspicion. And then it kind of matches all the criteria of the right car, the right look, uh, the right age, all that kind of stuff. Now, that stuff's true. That's all true. That's all true. But My the re- issue is that in the film, it's addressed as, as a plot twist, mm-hmm. as a surprise to the audience. But if this is meant to be her story, then we should have followed her through that. And now all this film does is make her look like an idiot. We constantly question, why are you supporting it? Why do you feel bad for all this stuff? Now we know because she blames herself for it. But we spend most of the film not knowing that. And now we don't feel like we're following her story. She's not the, the protagonist of the story, so we've lost it, it.
0: It is fair to say that Berlinger has made those Ted Bundy tape documentaries. And yeah. I think it is fair to say, because they came out, what, last year? Those No, those, or the year like, I think they came out in January. The the Ted Bundy tapes? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, but it's it fair to I say that he wanted you to watch those before watching this film. Which is confusing in a way, it because I've gone in with the blind spot view, so those things don't bug me. But I can guarantee you, most people that would watch this film, the majority would have watched those documentaries beforehand, those, mm. uh, those episodes. Because, which w- w- is even more baffling, because, like you said, people in real life who you know now, for a fact, are doing things in the, the story for the story's sake, but it just makes them look stupid.
1: It makes her look stupid because you're right. We're not given that integral information early enough yeah. that the reason she feels bad for me is because from her perspective, it, it all clicks. It all makes sense. The film just makes the mistake of putting that little bit of information that completely justifies her concerns for Ted, her love for Ted, all these things. It completely justifies that, but it puts it right at the end as a plot twist. So now it's not her story. Yeah, Because that's revealed to us at the end. And it can't be Ted's story, because the film is basically making us feel sorry. This is this is the thing. My, of course, bringing my mum back into the show, mm-hmm. she said this quote, because she had very similar issues to me, it turns out, and she said, if, if someone from Mars just arrived on Earth and just watched this film without any context of who Ted Bundy is, they would feel sorry for Ted Bundy.
0: Yeah. And, no, that's fair. Yeah. And it would have been a far more interesting film had that omission come maybe at the end of the first act. Like that would have been the the call to action that she's now worried, but she's still invested in him because of what he's doing for her life and her dealing with that paranoia that she may be the reason all this is happening. And (sighs) we're watching this unfold. Would that make us feel sorry for Bundy? No, because we know what happens. And what annoys me even more is if we had restructured this, if what you're saying is true, if Mm. we had found this out at the end of the first act, and then we had seen Ted openly in certain scenes, like when he's in Florida with mm. those two girls, and then it cuts to the two girls being killed with a log. Yeah. Like, we now are joining those dots, and we're like, well, she was justified in saying that, but we're also watching her. She doesn't know that stuff. So yeah, exactly. a, it comes back to the audience is loving this build to that final reveal when he's sitting there and riding in hacksaw yep. at the end, which. Which I now i am more inclined to, th- you've kind of taken a lot of the steam out of that last scene for me, because okay. I didn't like her admission of the call, because it doesn't come quite at the end, but the hacksaw reveal, I think, is really clever, and that's the first time yeah. we actually see him act out.
1: And imagine and- if that was the first like real concrete time she, and us the audience, had proof that he was actually a murderer. Yeah. Imagine if this film really stuck to its guns... Well, and didn't bit... implement the fact that he is a killer earlier. Because they waited too long. Anyway, it takes like an hour before he jumps out of the window. And that's yeah. our first
0: real evidence, as the film tells us, that he's up to no good. Where well, it would have been nice to have her had her call up the police, make that interesting call. Yeah. And then watch her deal with her paranoia as more and more things point at him being a killer. Exactly. And building to... Her really coming to the realization she was doing the right thing, but she's also eating herself alive over all this. So yeah. I could definitely agree with
1: that. That's that's why I think there's a lot of... I won't even call it missed opportunities here, but it's just really frustrating because yeah. it's stuff like that, that the film doesn't know who to follow.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I think it just seems to struggle with that perspective battle mm. because you really want to address this character. And it might always come back to the fact that it's very tricky to handle the situation because Ted Bundy was executed in what, 1989? Yep. So it's still close enough to be considered kind of fresh. Um, whereas yes, you, yeah. when you address something like this in a documentary format, you're a little bit safer than in a film. That's true. Yeah. Because you've
1: automatically got the more objective form of. Televising information,
0: yeah well it comes back to things like um we've talked about earlier in in cinema side show when I watched Tower, tower and yeah. when you watch Tower and that addresses a man that killed twelve people off the top of a clock tower, yeah, but because they did it, they walked that perfect line of almost becoming a film to an extent because they were using the uh interviews as a way of visualizing mm. the animation. So it almost felt like we were watching a movie cross the docu... You know, really blending those yeah, genres. play with those
1: narrative conventions more and freely.
0: even, I think, very early days of cinema Cinema Sideshow, when we watched American Animals. Um, oh, that's right. Where that really blends the Real the two. creative
1: kind of narrative structure. Um,
0: right. Whereas this one, obviously, it's... You've watched the documentaries, and now you're watching this film. And I think uh, Sandra has hit the nail on the <laughs> head with... Um, yeah, if you. A stranger
1: watches this, yeah.
0: If you didn't know who Ted Bundy was before this film, up until literally the last five minutes, that reveal will be cool. Unfortunately, the problem is most people that watch this film already know who Ted Bundy is and know what. So you can't do those reveals with but this sort of I think of that reveal
1: could work if, again, they went 100% this is Liz's film, this is Liz's perspective. Yeah. And they should have stuck to that. But that one thing, moving that scene from, you know, end of first act to towards the end, yeah. or like middle or third act, I suppose, then you, you've you stuffed it. Yeah. And like I said, it's not Ted's film either because you don't see him committing the murders. He's, yeah, it's, it's I don't yeah. know. I feel like
0: they've shot themselves with that. I think it comes back to maybe because this is a real story. Mm. It makes it very tricky. And you probably would have a more, we'd have a more positive opinion for the film if it was completely fictionalised maybe because we could I don't
1: know if I would because it's it, this is basic kind of plotting and they didn't they don't have to change any real world events to fix the kind of issues I'm talking about yeah they just need to lay out the source of information in a different way
0: mm, fair enough
1: so I well, understand where you're coming from I just and I can understand why a lot of the controversy could come from that from the real world implications from because there's people survivors of Ted Bundy attacks were in the docker who are portrayed in this film yeah um so you're right it's still fresh to a lot of people well it's 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 fresh enough
0: to be and particularly when it ends on the film and it talked about him admitting to 30 or something murder 30 something murders and then the fact is there are still people that he could have potentially killed that he didn't admit to Mm. and could be linked to him and that sort of information is enough to almost be like maybe this should never have been made into a film in the first place Because, Mm, um, if you want to, like, you really got to shift into that sort of realm. A documentary, you can, like I said, it, it, it maybe should have only ever been a documentary and maybe didn't deserve for at least a, a, a longer period of time than what it was to be made into a film. I'm always very on the fence about films like this. Okay. Because of where they still have a fair cultural impact, like a big enough cultural impact to, um, not really be appropriate to an extent. Hmm. Um I know a lot of the controversy and outrage was more centered around his charisma, which I think was the wrong problem. I think they didn't
1: take it enough. That's like my argument.
0: Yeah. They didn't portray
1: him smart enough essentially. Yeah. You know what, he comes off too cocky in this circumstance. Cause we only see the dot points in the timeline where he constantly gets arrested, constantly gets trialed, all these things when he had some wins in there too. The thing I was shocked mm. about, there's one point in the film, I don't mean to like cut you off or anything, no, that's all right. um, the, there's one point in the film when when he first escapes, he jumps out of the window, and he's gone for I think several days.
0: About a week. Yeah, was.
1: and the film very much just skims over the fact that he gets arrested again, and in the docker he talks about that being one of the best weeks of his life, because he finally had that freedom. And he talks about, oh, I saw an opportunity for freedom, so I just took it. And I just left, and I was in the mountains. And it, it was a very cathartic. It was literally like you and James I talking about your trip.
0: 100% in agree with you on this. I talked about this with Jack following watching the film. I didn't understand how they missed that week. Because. Yeah. And they just. They didn't just they skip over, over that. That they went immediately to. I'm pretty sure it goes to a newscaster, and then it goes to and he's back. him <laughs> meeting Liz in a holding cell. And yep. he talks about. I tried to come find you and I couldn't do it. And Which I don't think true. Yeah. And <laughs> I hated it because I was like, hang on. So you're literally admitting to the fact that this guy not only escaped, he went hmm. into the mountains and was there for a week. And you're just going to skip over that part because you don't think that's important. I think that's like, like you said, I feel like that's a huge part I mean, yeah. Imagine they didn't even really talk about Liz's reaction. I think they showed her reacting to it, and this like she just looked concerned. And then the
1: guy like knocks on the door, and yeah. you know, oh, you should be careful. And she's still sort of defensive of him. And then he's back in prison. You see, because that's the thing. What that does, and he comes back, and oh, I tried to find you. That simplifies him as like the guy who's he's in it for love. When the real Ted Bundy was like, no, I wanted the freedom, of. You know, basically being on my own again. Yeah. Way more interesting. It's like I mean, I, I like I just said, it was like you and James going in the yeah. you know, the mountains and stuff, going down south in February, how that yeah. was a very cathartic experience and like that's something completely different from what this film suggests.
0: That's fair. Well, before we uh wrap up our conversation about Extremely Wicked, Jake, highlight scenes. Were there any in there? Uh, there were a few.
1: All right. Yeah. I don't I don't want to completely poo poo this film. I think there was a lot of plot stuff that they screwed up. Um, I also don't want to talk about the editing too much because I honestly didn't really like the editing a lot. Okay. Either. A lot of weird like you know um, I did notice
0: a couple of weird sort of cuts. Yeah, here weird and there.
1: cuts, like the movement's not right between mm-hmm. cuts. Yeah, I noticed. So that it gets a little bit jarring. A little jarring, it was bugging me. It was mm-hmm. bugging me a lot. It was
0: bugging me too. Um
1: but honestly everything else, like the cinematography and um, in mind, um, uh, that kind of stuff in mind, going into scenes. I got a couple in mind. Um, I do want to give a shout-out, because like I said, I feel the film really glosses over his actual like murdering and stuff, which, yeah. again, would be fine from Liz's perspective, but this film doesn't take perspective. So um, I appreciate when Sheldon Cooper, of all people, <laughs> shows up, and that first run-through in the court, Um, he's going through very vivid detail of all those first sets of murders. I really enjoyed that, because that was quite a show. Yeah, I think Jim Parsons gives a good...
0: He, he's all right in this. Yeah. John so... Malkovich is very one-note in this film. Doesn't oh, do much yeah, yeah. to me. I don't even... I made a joke that it's like, <laughs> oh, it's a mediocre Netflix film. Uh, John Malkovich is in it. We're um, <laughs> gonna bring him back. Well, um, they got they got him for Bird Box. They got him yeah, for right, uh, yeah. what was that one that came out early? Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and we that, did. We did Velvet Buzzsaw. We did, did Velvet Buzzsaw. Four,
1: I think. Um, the real scene I want to give a, a scene highlight to because there's some nice subtleties in there, and they get a little less subtle at the end. They kind of cut back to it. Um, it's right after the scene where they're looking at the dog and then obviously the dog starts freaking out. Yeah. Um, there's a great transition from the dog barking and the music that goes into this next scene where it's um, Ted and Liz and they're kind of flirting and stuff and he's like, He's touching it like with the you know with his hands, and he's like pretending to bark and using his teeth and stuff, which are all little subtle nods to the way mm. he killed people. And I thought that was very clever. And they do kind of cut back to it at the end when she's figuring stuff out. Yeah, a little more obvious by that point. But I loved how subtle it was in the moment.
0: So that was probably my my big highlight scene. Okay. What about you? Were there any highlight scenes? Go with the hacksaw scene. Really enjoyed yeah. um, that final. I think both the performances in that last scene. Albeit, as I do think you've highlighted some really important flaws to this film, that, that scene last, itself works though. That scene that itself is very strong. Mm. Um, I think both of them really, tar- you know, dial it to 110. I think that scene highlights also what could have been with his character—a very manipulative character who eventually just knows that he literally In can't the face get of death. Yeah, yeah, and that I don't know if that's true that he admitted to all that stuff just before he...
1: he that is true. I, I don't know if he admitted it to her specifically. I think, yeah, I, I think he did, yeah. but I, th- I think it wasn't at that... Like, in this, in that story, they said there's only one day left. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he started caving out
0: like two or three days left from memory. Yeah. But it was pretty on, spot on. But it was pretty amazing how the, just the editing in that scene really uh, worked. I really liked it. Um, yeah. And how she freaks out, and she's passing all the people that she's protected great in the as well, and stuff. And great like she, everyone who was like, "He's not who you think," and they were all those people that he was. She was like, "No, he's fine. He's great. He's a great guy." Yeah, and I liked that. And you see, that's the thing. The scene works well. I think it would have worked stronger if they did a better
1: job at just following the through payoff? Liz's story. It's a payoff, and it would have paid off even more. If maybe it feels kinda...
0: like, to an extent, maybe he. As a filmmaker, was so looking forward to doing that payoff scene that yeah, he almost forgot absolutely what he had to pay off. <laughs> basically, just,
1: yeah, I've just, i just like I said, perspective, because I, I definitely
0: think as a filmmaker myself, I've always liked the payoff scene. You're in it for the payoff, and yeah. you get you get really excited. I know, particularly one of my films I did. I think hmm. Home Again. We talked about long before we filmed it. Home the payoff scene, yeah, and. Even The sometimes, Pretender,
1: you pitched to me with that ultimate payoff of that last shot.
0: Yeah. Um, I think with The Pretender, we succeeded, in my opinion, more to... We built really well to the payoff in that film. Yeah. Whereas with Home Again, there are bits where it tends... The pacing does lose itself, I think, sometimes. And the payoff is still strong. And still it's, be...
1: it's more grandiose than the, the Pretender in a way that I really like. I think the
0: ending's very strong for that film. Mm. Okay. Well, uh... Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile is currently out on Netflix mm. in wide release. Uh, you can check Watch it out. Watch it if you
1: dare. No, I recommend watching this because, like I like I said, I had a lot of issues with it. But would you if recommend it, the
0: documentary more?
1: I would definitely recommend the documentary a thousand percent. Um, even just in comparison, like we talked about, Leaving Neverland, for example, recently, where I had issues with the pacing of the film. I think this this little short series, four episodes, you know, four hours of your time, I think it's worthwhile because I think it deals with the pacing in a way better way. If it feels uh, way more um, visually stimulating with its style. And then that style is further um, enhanced or elevated by the edit. And uh, to top it all off, like I said, it's got a nice pace and really kind of directs you for each episode. And each episode kind of has its own little subcategory. It's a it's a, it's a a chronologically told story of Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. but each episode kind of has its own little category. So, like, episode four is the court cases, like you said, uh, with the with the film having its own kind of... Uh, part of court cases, like I'm so is about the escapes. You know, because he escapes multiple times, not just through the window. Although the film does show you that,
0: I guess. All cool. Right. So we're branching into our uh, new in cinemas this week. New in cinemas this week. So this is quite a lot. There is actually. a lot. Um. So we got what? Loud, crazy, love. What is that? I have not heard of that. The big one. I. That's oh, wanna... a documentary. Look at that. <laughs> uh. Big one. I want to talk about obviously, Ooh, and we will I definitely what, be talking to... about this. Not next week on the show, but the week after, I will be getting Jack Bet back on for it, I'm sure. John Wick 3, Parabellum. Ooh. And it's currently sitting on 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. What
1: the hell. And you guys, when you going to watch it? Tonight? Or are you not going uh, to watch it? Not tonight.
0: We'll be probably checking it out maybe uh, Wednesday, maybe a bit later. Because it does technically come out. It says here on the 16th, but it's actually in wide release on the 23rd. Oh, um, so, so that's a pre-screening the one Wednesday, um, but the, so it doesn't come out to the twenty third properly. Early uh, early screenings are sixteenth, but the full wide release is on the twenty third. That's a bloody leap, dude. That's over a week. Yeah, it's a bit.
1: I didn't realize that. Okay, in that case, so are we going to watch it on the twenty third then?
0: I guess so. I mean, we could potentially. Um, I don't know about you. You need to catch.
1: I need to watch the first two. I'm happy to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then what, That'll be our ne-
1: the topic next week, or the mm. week after next week, rather. Yeah. Perfect. Look at that. That's some organisation we'll right there on the podcast. Figure it out. Yeah. We <laughs> just figure um, it out. Uh, what else is out this week? So okay, so John Wick is actually not technically
0: out this week. Yeah. It's
1: um, good. but we got we got, we got we got a few others. So we got Little Woods, which is a a debut feature from a Nia Da Costa. Nia Da Costa. There uh-huh. we go. Figure it out. That's interesting. So Little Woods. Uh, a couple of
0: smaller films.
1: Yeah, exactly, Little things. Me and My Left Brain is another one. Now,
0: that's an interesting one. I've seen the previews for that film. Okay. It's an Australia, uh, a, a Kiwi or Australian film. I think it's okay. one or the other. Um, Australian comedy. There we go. Um, I think it's, yeah, and it's basically the left brain has a personality. Oh, and okay. It's a bit of a quirky film. Yeah, that sounds interesting.
1: Uh, Next week we are doing Nebraska. So you told the sheriff that you were walking to Nebraska.
2: That's right. To get my million dollars. This
0: is Woody Grant. We are now authorised to pay one million dollars to Woodrow T. Grant Billings, Montana.
1: Right, so we're jumping into this film that doesn't come out this week at all. In fact, it came out several years ago. And uh, I'm about to read the synopsis here, Zeke, because... Yes. I, this one on Google here. Just
0: <laughs> I don't know what happened. There's some... I'm so I brought up this film. Um, yeah. I figured uh, we'd try something a little bit different. Um... We normally bring up the synopsis and tell you it beforehand but uh... I'm going to read the synopsis because I don't know what Google did. I think mean, this is, this is exactly as Google
1: says it. Um can, what <laughs> I'm already confused this first word. What is it? Cantor Cantankerous. cantankerous old buzzard Woody Grant can barely walk down the street of his home in Billingsmont without stopping for a drink. So when Woody receives, receives a sweepstakes notice in the mail and insists on making it a 750-mile trip to Lincoln, Nebraska to collect his prize. It just says Lincoln Neb to collect his prize. It falls to baffled son David to accompany him during a stop in their Nebraska hometown. Word gets out about Woody's Fortune first making him a hero, then later the target of predatory people. You know how many mis-
0: Like, there's a lot of mistakes in that one. D- um, receives does, receives. Does that worry you a little bit? A little about bit. About what <laughs> film we're about to watch? Bob Odenkirk's definitely in this, right? Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's how I tried to sell it to him because he wouldn't shut up about Better Call Saul. So now we're watching <laughs> Nebraska, which uh, he I think guest star. I think he's co-starring or he's supporting cast or something. Um, I bet it's not even in it. Zeke. I've got it. <laughs> we'll be giving it a watch. It's something different. You know, it came out different. a couple of years ago. Got a lot of uh, critic praise. Yeah. Um, so it
1: next week, okay. I guess.
0: Uh, thank you for joining us for the cinema side show. I was Zeke. I was for the most part Jake. And uh, we'll catch you next week with Nebraska. Bingo bongo.